Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. We're going to have a great uh, podcast today. We have an amazing guest in Ria Renouf. She's an esteemed former journalist, now turned entrepreneur. We're going to sit down with Ria Renouf. You'll probably recognize her. She has been on radio, on television, and we are going to be covering a wide range of topics. We're even going to have the Ria rapid round at the end of the podcast, and you're going to want to stick around for that. But uh, we talked to, I had the opportunity to ask uh, Ria Renouf whether or not she had an interest in getting involved in civic politics, and you're going to want to hear what she has to say about that, because there were a few things swirling around when she announced that she was leaving journalism and going into her own world of uh, being a small business owner. And so We're going to find out whether or not civic politics is in the cards for Rhea Renouf. We also uh, got an inside track. I had the chance to delve a little bit deeper with Rhea about her role in breaking the story of former Community First uh, trustee Dee Beattie, her setting up a burner account, attacking her political opponents with a fake Twitter account, and the role that Rhea Renouf played in effectively triggering a by-election at the New West School Board which is uh, going to be underway very, very soon. So you're going to want to hear that exclusive interview with Rhea and her perspective as to uh, what happened with that uh, breaking story. That and much, much more. Uh, but first, I want to share with you a an article that was uh, a story that ran on Global TV recently, and it was a story um, around, about the Surrey Police Force and the impact that they're having on the New West Police Department in terms of recruitment and how they're um, scooping up a few of our constables and they're uh, heading over uh, south of the river. So I thought I would share the audio of that story and then right after that we'll um, sit down and have a chance to chat uh, at uh, Waves Cafe. So the audio sound might uh, be a little bit different than what you're hearing now, but you'll you'll get the drift. We'll sit down with Rhea and, uh, and go from there. So enjoy the show. The ongoing Surrey police saga isn't going away anytime soon with the city fighting the province in court. But it hasn't stopped the force from adding officers from other forces in the lower mainland. And that's irked some people. One of those is New Westminster City Councillor Daniel Fontaine. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So how many officers would you say that New West has lost to Surrey? Well, so far, according to the information I've been able to receive, we've already lost uh, 15 uh, RCMP, uh, sorry, 15 officers to the Surrey Police Service, as well as a number of additional officers to the RCMP. The ones that are most concerning to me as a city councillor in New Westminster is obviously the Surrey Police Service recruitment, because we all know that that recruitment process is just beginning and the impacts that have already been felt by the New West Police Department um, are there on the ground. We can see that we've already lost 15 officers and there's likely going to be more to come. So why are they moving? 
Well, they're moving for a number of different reasons. Uh, some folks, I'm assuming, perhaps live in the Surrey area, so it might be easier for uh, commuting. We actually don't know all the specifics around that, so that's one of the reasons I'm bringing forward a motion to Council that will be debated later this month that will look at actually getting some information from the police chief as to how big a scope this actually has been and where we're forecasting it to be. As well, we're looking at compensation. We know that the City of Surrey received $150 million for the transition over to Surrey Police Service, but the province has yet to commit any funds to cities that are, that are going to be impacted by that transition. And we know New West has its own police force, as does other smaller cities. Welcome, Ria Renu, for sitting here in the Waves Cafe on Columbia. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to have you here for my third podcast for episode number three and i'm going to start off the way i started it off with my previous two guests and the first question that i'm going to ask you is who is ria renouf wow it's so funny because the question a question like that is probably one of the harder questions to always answer right uh ria renouf is somebody who is passionate about writing who is passionate about new westminster who has been so grateful to have had, in past tense, uh, a 10-year career in journalism, who is uh, actually talking to somebody that, you know, one of the first people she met when she <laughs> when she started her career in journalism. Um, she is a, a partner, a wife. Uh, she's a techie and a gamer. Uh, she wears many hats, but it's funny because I'm saying she, but it's me. It's you. Uh, okay. So I, I wear a lot of hats and I'm passionate about a lot of things. And um, I'm always, I do it with the mindset of service mm -hmm. and also being curious and learning about the world around me and sharing those things with people so that perhaps they can have a, uh, an easier go and, and uh, way of living life. Now, Rhea, I have heard that this is the second time I've heard you talk about gaming. So when you say you're a gamer, do you actually sit and play like Minecraft or what game? Do, what games are you actually playing? So guilty as charged. I don't play Minecraft. Um, it's a it's an array of games, everything. And, and it sort of works off my love of tabletop and board games. So I'll play anything from Cribbage to Risk to um, I recently tried Catan, which wasn't really my vibe, but I understand why people love it and appreciate it. Um, but I spend a lot of time just essentially letting two brain cells bounce around in my head and I play Mario Kart. I play, uh, I play a Tetris analog game. It's called Pokemon Puzzle League, but it's sort of like a Tetris attack game. So the, the blocks will, these little square blocks will be lined up and you have to match like at least three okay. and then they disappear. Um, so it's it's kind of a variation on Tetris attack or Tetris for those who are, and I, I love Tetris as well. I'll play on the weekends. I'll like go online to the, um, there's, a, there's this game I play called Tetris 99 and it's just people from all over the world who play Tetris against each other. That's amazing. So I do stuff like that. I'm, I'm okay. I'm definitely, I could be so much better if I just sat in front of the computer forever. But I also know that if I were to do that, I would probably bore myself to tears uh, because I need the variety in my life. So I just do that to sort of completely escape and, and yeah, I play a little bit of everything. Now, speaking of variety in your life, uh, you were a journalist for many years mm -hmm. and journalists, I think, thrive on variety because you wake up in the morning, 
you often don't know what you're going to be assigned yep. that day, and suddenly you're either at some major uh, uh, building fire, or you're at some scandal at some uh, you know political office. It could be anything. Totally. So. You obviously went into journalism because you uh, enjoyed it, you were passionate, but you, and you've now made a switch out of journalism. So tell us a little bit about um, what's happening to Rio Renouf in terms of your own personal career. Yeah, so I decided to leave the industry for myriad reasons. Um, obviously, there are a lot of pressures right now on the industry. Um, we've seen it with things like Bill C-18, where... We've lost a tool that allows us to be able to get our information out there. But at the same time, it's also allowed me to be reflective about how we get information out there. Because when you take a step back and you're going, well, they're blo- like Meta's blocking all my stuff, right? I, I can't. It's really hard to share that with the community. And you realize we really shouldn't have been as uh, reliant on social media in the first place. So that is one of the pressures, right? Like whether our work is actually getting out there and making a difference. One of the other issues with with the industry right now is that a lot of people aren't willing to pay for the product. They support it. They appreciate it. They respect the work that journalists do, no matter what you are pursuing. I personally wasn't an investigative journalist. I was extremely interested in municipal politics. I just, I know people are probably listening to this, rolling their eyes, going for real. And I'm like, no, I actually really enjoyed sitting there and watching everybody just talk. Like it was, I was actually very sad when the last meeting that I covered finished early. (laughs) And I mean, I don't mean that as a slight against like new West politics, because that's what I covered for the last 18 months. And I was like, man, that was a short meeting. They just want to get me out of here. I, but I know, I know it just happened to work out that way. And I know folks were away, but, and, and attending online, but, um, so those are just a couple of examples of some of the pressures that you face in the industry as a journalist. And that's not including the regular pressures. I, I lived through, lived through four layoffs. I watched tons of people get cut. Um, and it was hard every year. You know, the joke was if you survive past November and March, you probably had a good shot of lasting the year. And it got to a point where I would wake up every morning and I would go, is this the day that I get canned? Mm. How much longer do I get to do this? And so eventually you start weighing it and you think about the mental health, the emotional health. And I had given more than 10 years of my life to this. I was very fortunate to get a job not even having graduated from Mm. BCIT. Um, CKNW hired me immediately within four months. And I had given my life to journalism for more than a decade. And I thought, I love my community. I love this job, but I, I am at a turning point in my life where I need to decide. Is it going to be my career or is it going to be, you know, I've worked for so long. I put myself through school. I went to, I went to post-secondary twice. I think I need to choose my family and I think I need to choose the people that I care about. I have friends that I hadn't seen in, in years and um, would just talk to them from time to time over the phone or not even over the phone, like texting. And I was like, this, it, it hurts me to not have that contact with people. I thrive on seeing people in person. That was part of why I pursued journalism was I just run around, meet new people right. and, and make friends that way. But then you also can't necessarily make friends as a journalist. There's this, I, I'm very much of against the idea of neutrality or objectivity because as somebody who studied anthropology, there really is no such thing as objectivity. Your realm of possibilities will always be imprinted on the way in which you cover a story, right? Mm -hmm. So um, oftentimes because I came from a background where I lost an aunt to a hit and run, 
I often tried to cover my stories that were of human, like a human interest um, style with empathy and respect for the family. Whereas somebody else might have come at it very critical and maybe not so respectful, right? Or the family might have felt like they were being attacked. So it was so many factors. I mean, that could be a whole episode on its own. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was there are way too many pressures on a lot of the journalists. And you see, there are so many big names that have recently Mm -hmm. left. I would say in the last three, four years, if you're really paying attention, some really huge major market people have left the industry. Um, So yeah, it does come down to like, do you choose your career or do you choose yourself? And I just feel like that's so, that happens at such an enhanced augmented pace in journalism Mm -hmm. because your stories are essentially your baby Mm -hmm. and then you're spending all this time you know trying to get it on social media tweeting about it instagramming about it like it's just and then yeah so it's tough a little bit more to you in a moment yeah um, i just wanted just for for my listeners just to if you could remind them so you said cknw where else did you work so i started off at cknw um i accidentally fell into a job there because they needed stories for christmas of 2013 And I just went and I called as many people as I could. And I was like trying to file as many stories as I could. That was enough to impress my, who eventually became my boss and said, let's bring you on just sort of here and there. And then um, I was able to help break a, I actually broke a story and he was like, okay, I'm going to hire you. So by like spring of 2014, I started my program in 2013 at BCIT in September, spring of 2014, I was at CKNW. And then I just basically worked my way up the chain. I was eventually the Simon editor. And so it was a huge responsibility. It was terrified. And I was like, I have not even graduated. Like what, but then you, you learn, like you, it is actually, it's great to have the post-secondary education and the, the, the theoretical stuff, but to actually apply yourself in a newsroom, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying and amazing. At the same, at least in that era when I started. So I was there until 2018, mm-hmm. and at NW I sat through I think three, two or three layoffs, mm. and that was that actually was like oh, it was scary. Um, it was really really scary. It was so part of that was okay. I don't know if I'm going to survive much longer. So I think it's time to find something new. I actually went to PR for a little bit. It was about six months, and I was I was bored out of my mind. It didn't move fast enough. It was very much a corporate office style job and I so I I did that for six months and then I was approached to consider applying for the afternoon drive position at City News Um, so I anchored that show for probably almost three years right through the pandemic I needed a change because it got to a point where you know it feels like a lifetime ago but you would get the news releases every afternoon just before three o'clock and it's like six people have died from COVID-19 and another 40 are infected uh, in the last 24 hours. And so we were just reciting over and over again, like how many people died? How many people were infected? How many people were in hospital? So I was like, okay, I need something a bit more dynamic. And then I was voluntold to apply for a job in TV. I was in TV for just shy of nine months. And I was like, okay, I need to write. Like I just need to focus on writing. And so that's when the anchor came up. It wasn't even the anchor at that point. It was just... Somebody had approached me to say, hey, we want to open up a publication in New Westminster. Are you interested? So that was in, that was literally the day I gave my, no, that was the day I left City News. And so by May of 2020, so I left City News just before March. And then May of 2022, we launched the anchor. And so as of recording, I have been 
officially away from the anchor for just under two weeks. Yeah, it's very fresh. We're going to explore that in a little bit. About yeah. Where you're at now, where you've where you've headed off, but I'm I know a lot of uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will have heard your name before, so I just want to make sure they make that connection. Of course. Yeah, we've heard you. Uh, <laughs> we're seeing you on television and. Um, uh, and known that um, that name is very. They always say I'm much shorter in person. I'm like, yeah, sorry to disappoint you. Um, it's funny because sometimes what you hear on the radio or see on TV, especially with TV, people yeah. always think I'm a lot taller. I'm like, nope, I'm probably five four. It's the half Filipino jeans. I, it's you know, we tend to be quite short. But yeah, I my voice is very different from what they see. That actually happened at Pechacucha the other day. They were like. <laughs> Oh, that's real. Like, they all probably think I'm a high school student to this bit, which I'll, I'll take it. You'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. I'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> We're confused. I would love to be confused for a high school student. I think that's been many, 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 many months. No. Ago. You mentioned your passion for city politics and your love for city politics and kind of how geeky it is. And here we are, like a city councillor and somebody talking about <laughs> civic politics, talking about civic politics. Yes. And to a podcast that focuses on civic civic issues. I'm um, going back over your time at City Hall um, and you're, you're kind of covering municipal news mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Any, any one story that you want to share with, with um, our <sighs> listeners that kind of pops out at you? You're thinking, that was a, a great story I covered or an interesting topic that um, I'll never forget covering that particular... Oh my item. gosh. I mean, it's funny because it's like, I would argue it's city council adjacent, but the whole school board thing was pretty wild. But in terms well, of... Tell, us, tell our listeners what that is. Oh, okay. So for those who didn't know, um, there was a school trustee by the name of D. Beattie who had been using what I have been referring to. This is relatively new territory, but I refer referred to it in my coverage as a burner account. Um, and, and she was using a burner account over X slash Twitter uh, to basically harass a slew of folks. Um, Terry Mooring was a former BCTF uh, president. Um, I believe a lot of uh, New West progressives were part of this. Um, there was uh, another former trustee, uh, Mary Lalji, who was also like, you name it, people were there. I actually found out after the fact that the account had tweeted at me. Um, but it was it's funny because I have a note, like my social media policy is I immediately block. any Anybody who looks questionable in terms of like, if you have an egg profile, because those are usually like, egg profile pictures are usually a good indicator of whether somebody is legitimate. Um, and anything that acted acts like a bot gets blocked by me immediately. I have no interest in, in, in interacting with that. So the account had actually tweeted at me. Um, but like I said, I found out about it after the fact. So I saw this parent tweeting out and saying, hey, um, I'm pretty sure this is the person behind it. And it was quite... I was kind of mortified when I first saw it because I was like, oh, there better be some really good breadcrumb, like digital breadcrumbs to back that up. Um, I reached out, I covered the story. I reached out to Ms. Beattie and I said, hey, um, this is the accusation. I reached out to the party that represented her. Hey, this is the accusation. And eventually, I, I will never forget where I was. This is, it lines up very much with where I f- was when Christy Clark was announced her resignation. 
Um, and I joke about that because when Christy Clark had announced her resignation, they'd brought to CKNW, they'd, 7-Eleven had stopped by with some chicken wings and we were all eating chicken wings. And that was literally when we found out that Christy Clark was resigning. So everyone just dropped their food and just house on fire, run to the booth. Christy Clark has resigned, blah, blah, blah. So way back when. So this was another Christy Clark resignation moment for me. I'm sitting, it's it's five in the afternoon, which for those who don't know, the, the running joke is that really important institutions will drop press releases at five in the afternoon. Usually what it is, is it's because they hope that it, I think they hope it doesn't get seen or it gets forgotten about in the two days that most people have off. I know, right? Like I have some (laughs) uh, guys, I have some news for you. (laughs) 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 I'm sitting with my husband at the pizza garden at the shops at new West. It had been a rough 48 hours. I was very tired. I had not slept. I am standing there about to order a large pizza for us to split. And I, I hear ding on my phone. This is like after five. And I look down and it says, please see a statement from trustee DVD. And I'm going, this better not be what I think. I turned to my husband, John, and I said, this better not be what I think it is. And so the guy is still waiting for us to order pizza. And I just opened the email and I, I can't even remember what I said. I pushed my husband out of the way, didn't have a computer with me. I'm writing up the story on my phone. I'm like, this is insane. I didn't even know what to think because. Because at that point, if I remember correctly, she had written to you to say that she acknowledged that she. That was, yeah. yeah, So that that was was the the email. So initially the party had, had said, you know, we're looking for the person responsible and we ask that they come forward. So that was the day prior. And I thought nothing's going to happen. Like over the, well, I mean, everybody's given their statement, right? And everybody I've reached out to has either not responded or they've given me a statement saying we're working to figure out who this is. And that was like on the Wednesday or the Thursday, but the Friday it was just like, well, this means I have to write it up. I have to, I have to get it out there because it's, it's breaking news. And on, when you look at some of the stuff that's happened in new West, like this is pretty wild stuff. I could not, I know there have been stories about, uh, Uh, political figures that have acted inappropriately in office, but I do not, I could not recall. This was extremely unique. So it was just like, that was the epitome of what I had been doing at CKNW and, and at city news, because a lot of what I specialized in was breaking news. And you know, when you, when you see a breaking story, the instinct is always going to be there. And it had been there for like nine and a half years. And I'm like, okay, well we're running with it. And so it was such an interesting story because it spilled into other facets of of New West life. You know, like I reached out to the mayor. Um, Obviously, there was coverage about you and and Paul going to uh, the school board meeting to talk. And then there was this big gap in between. It was like the story that just kept kind of going, but also going in the background over the summer. And then she finally resigned. So it that was probably and that was hard because I was the only person covering it for my publication. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any help. That was... But that story triggered province-wide... Um, well, that was... Yeah. yeah, that was the other thing, too. So, like, CBC wanted to talk. Simi over at CKNW wanted to talk. And, again, I love doing those things because I have the radio background. But 
I think there's an interesting saying in there where I'm going to kind of hijack this discussion and say, this is where I get concerned about community coverage and media. There, as we're talking, there is only one publication left in New West, and that terrifies me because this is a very amazing, dynamic, wonderful place to live. But I think it is also important that people know what's going on. And when you have one person run, like who's reporting, um, and, and there are some communities where there are no reporters left. You know, it's it's common to now, it, it's become really common to see news about papers shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, because and, we, and, and, and you speak about that, and in New Westminster specifically, um, just around what's happened to us in terms of our local journals in the mm-hmm. last year. Um, although the record newspaper continues to quote unquote publish. Um, it's all online, yeah. And we've actually lost the print edition, yep. um, uh, locally. And I've heard from so many people who've said they really miss that print edition, and yeah. they're really worried about local journalism. Totally, totally. And and it's I grew up in the era where the first job was you go deliver newspapers, and newspapers are more than just sort of the the paper town crier, right? Like it's it's the the town crier that ends up on your doorstep. Uh, because people have a right to be informed. As I, I've mentioned at the beginning, I, I'm a gamer. I love technology. I have the utmost respect for it. And I think what people are doing is incredible. But at the same time, there's this balance of we're losing, we're leaving people behind. Um, another story that really hit hard for me was the the heat dome. The anchor wasn't in existence yet, but we did talk to, you know, I, I did talk to city hall about, uh, city staff about, hey, like, what's the plan? We lost the most people per capita, I believe. We did. Um, and, it was, it's, and I did not want to see... I'm sure no one wanted to see a repeat of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of how we try and get the word out to people. And yeah, newspapers are a way. Um, I know that the, the ongoing question at, at City Hall has been, has it ever been enough though? Mm-hmm. Right, because we talked about language barriers and some of the languages. For instance, I, at one of the meetings I recall, like there being a discussion about, well, there's a language issue, right? Like we have many different um, languages in the city of New West, and those are those actually being covered by the current procedures in place. Uh, so I do worry about how you know people joke, well, I have nothing to wrap my my breakables in when I move. But as much as people make that joke, I think they're really it's going to be one of those pave paradise, put up a parking lot kind of things where you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And I I really am genuinely concerned for where the industry is going. If we're seeing print disappear, what's next? Right? So. On to something uh, kind of connected, but not in politics. I must say I had a little chuckle and we haven't talked about yet where you're going. We will in a moment, but I had a little chuckle when you kind of posted online and you teased everyone and said, I'm leaving, got a big announcement coming. First of all, great marketing, absolutely great marketing. But I will say there were a lot of people who started speculating, like, Rhea loves municipal politics. She's like addicted to this stuff. She's going to run the school board by that. What? That was like floating around there. And then they're thinking, well, maybe she's going to run for council. Like, Listen, if you want your kids to do poorly in school, that's when you have me run. Okay. I do, no, I, I, you know what? I, it's so funny because people thought, well, would you run for mayor in the next election? I was like, no, 
no thank you no thank you you would probably catch me becoming a bureaucrat before anything else um i do not have the stomach for politics at least right now i won't ever it won't be like a never say never situation because i would i have to be careful that i don't eat my words in 15 20 30 years from now uh but i the joke was if i run for politics i would only run if the if the party was full of corgis because uh, I am obsessed with corgis. That is my thing. I, somebody actually did ask me that on Instagram. Are you running? Are you going to do the politics thing? I'm like, no. I, uh, I, I have so much respect for anybody who throws their name out there and says, I want to run. Um, I haven't quite figured out the world yet. I, the, the world of politics quite yet. Um, I came from a place, if I look back at, 10 years ago. I, so I studied sociology and anthropology and I have always been critical about a lot of systems. I actually am not a fan of politics, which is really funny. You're going, well, why are you, like, why do you care about civic politics then? I care because there are a lot of things that people don't realize impact the way we live. Uh, you know, everything from your garbage collection to how much you're going to have to pay on your taxes. People go, well, why am I paying an extra like 75, 80 cents at, at the parking meter? It's like, well, because there is a tax that's tied to like TransLink, right? And so it was a way for me to inform myself uh, about why I pay for certain things or just to understand how the world works. Because I didn't have a lot of that growing up. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of survival um, because I grew up in a low-income family. And so I figured maybe there's a way to help myself understand the world a bit more through politics, mm -hmm. through, through the civic politics. And so that's what I did in Burnaby. Um, I, I just followed, I just watched when Derek Corgan was still the mayor, I would just sit there and watch council. And I was also very lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. And then my life just flipped right upside down when I went to school for journalism. It just, it was bizarre but it was still always something i was interested in so we can put this rumor to bed we're not gonna okay. be running so for this politics is this is breaking news uh, uh, i think yeah. so i love politics i'm not running okay, well, that's not, that is a for the record breaking news yes uh, yes Ria, Ria is not running in the by-election nor is no. she uh, putting her name forward at least she's you did leave a little regular room but maybe in the future who knows it might not anytime soon. not anytime soon no okay, so no we'll, we'll, no we'll keep you on the sidelines for that Yeah, you did touch a little bit earlier, and I was, and I meant to kind of explore that with you a little bit as well. Is is social media and mm -hmm. what social media has done to local politics and journalism? And uh, you're an avid. I, I'm off Twitter. I think you know that. I, I was. I call myself a Twitter quitter. I, think I asked you a couple of times. Where did you go? Yeah. We were following each other, and then I'm you disappeared. A I'm a Twitter <laughs> I left Twitter uh, right after the civic election in yeah. 2018, and I had a really horrible experience mm -hmm. personally. And I just, you know, I had like, what, six, 7,000, what, quote-unquote, followers or people. Right. Kind of so, I mean, everyone's like, why would you do that? And I, I just fundamentally believed for my own mental health and for that of my family and everyone else that the conversations I was having on there weren't enjoyable for me. Right. Like just, I, I was having very little pleasure being on Twitter. It was more of a task than it was something I enjoyed. But could you maybe comment about, from your perspective, because mm -hmm. you're a public, you were a public figure mm -hmm. um, when you were in media, and you would have received and seen probably a lot of the same stuff that I did, and I continue to do kind of more in other social media platforms now. Yeah. How is things? How have things 
changed? How how has social media kind of, in your opinion, made things better or worse when it comes to? Again, we could do a whole episode on that. (laughs) Um, So I've never been shy about the fact that I have some mental health. Uh, issues. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, It's really interesting because I know a few other folks who are in the industry or industry adjacent that have gone through a lot of the same thing. I can't say whether it was brought on by the industry or what, but for me, this was something that I always struggled with. And I always, with, with my BPD, I always tried to find something to fill it with. And the problem with that is a person, in my case, I can only speak to my case, but a person with borderline personality disorder is not going to address the, the underlying issues. They just want to keep filling the bucket until they can bury what the issue is and, and try to remove themselves that way. But then, of course, there's only so much room in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Everything spills out into the real world. And mm-hmm. So when I first started, you know, everybody was saying, you better get on Twitter that's going to be, and, and there was this adage of Twitter's for journalists. So I would say the majority of my time was spent on Twitter. As I was working in the industry, it was like catching myself. Like it was hour 18 of my day and I was scrolling on Twitter, like desperately looking for something that I could pitch for the next day because everybody thinks that everything's set up in advance. Right. But you actually, so when I was doing the morning show at a W, you start at three in the morning and by seven at the pitch meeting, you better have something. Otherwise, you know, your bosses, your, the news director's going to go, what's wrong with you? Where's your, where's your pitch? Where's your story? Like we have time, we have to fill whatever it is, 40 minutes minus the ads. Right. And so I was just finding myself getting lost on Twitter, scrolling. And, and a lot of that spilled over into, um, Facebook a bit. And so I actually quit Facebook because that was actually where there was the most vitriol for me. It's a little bit easier. It was a bit easier on Twitter to remove myself because I didn't know a lot of those people. But when we were covering COVID related issues on Facebook, I was getting a lot of messages from people that I know fairly well that I spent a lot of time, you know, growing up, watching me grow up going, well, why aren't you uh, advocating for taking vitamin C to get rid of COVID? Um, why are you only chasing? So it, a lot of that for me was really harmful and, and hurtful. And um, it it really caused me to look at my relationship with social media. I'm like, is this really healthy? Is this really helping me? Why am I allowing myself to go through the rabbit hole and have conversations that just, you know, you state your position and then somebody says, well, you're wrong. Right. And it's just, it's, it's that circle it is a circle that does not help anyone so i i took myself off facebook and i only go on there a couple times a year but now with instagram i do feel like it's a different personality on instagram um at least speaking about my personal account so i have a little bit of a removal there because people know it's like it's just kind of for me to just just have fun it's just me it's just Rhea sans, you know, I mean, sometimes there's some journalism stuff on there, but a lot of it's now, and I think there's going to be a bit of a shift as I develop like my own mm-hmm. interests and, and what I want to do outside of journalism. Um, but Twitter is, I very much agree with you. Twitter is a poisonous place. Twitter, I've watched people have breakdowns. I've watched journalists just shut down mm-hmm. um, because of the harassment uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jody Vance. Mm-hmm. So Jody went through this incredible case 
where she had a stalker go after her. Um, and I believe the case has wrapped up in the courts. So, yeah. uh, but until there are proper protections in place for the people who do this kind of work um, or who are public figures, I wouldn't even dare entertain returning to journalism because social media has become so ingrained in the way by which we get information out there. Um, and it's really unhealthy. And to watch especially younger or greener folks now enter the industry and they don't, there is no, there was no section on that when I went to school for, here's what you do in the event of harassment. Here's what you do if somebody's targeting you because of your race. I'm half Filipino. I used to get things sent to me all the time like, oh, why don't you go back to uh, the Philippines and plant some mango trees, right? Uh, it's just like, why? Like, why? And I'm lucky. I This sounds terrible. I'm lucky I had it not as bad. You know, the more if you are indigenous, if you're black, um, if you appear, um, if you're not white passing, Forget it. So I agree. I'm actually really glad that I'm not on uh, Twitter anymore. Mm. Like, I'm, I, I have my account still. Right. But it's just, it's such an afterthought. I'm on there, like, here and there. I'm not scrolling through going, I need to find a story. Otherwise, I'm yeah. in so much trouble. So I agree. It's... Well, I, I've commented to a friend, actually, this weekend. They never heard this term before. But I said, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. Oh, who, yes. Who love to say stuff to you on mm. Twitter that they would never, ever have the audacity to do to your face and yeah. I think that that breakdown of that, of that social connection that I always say if you wouldn't say it to the person uh, who's in front of you why would you take the keyboard and then write this type of stuff online or you know a step further I've always been I've said let's go for coffee if you're having a disagreement with me I'm open to hearing you but if your approach is going to be to target my identity my um, the fact that I'm a woman, the fact that I am Filipino, like I have no time for you. I have to set boundaries, you know, I have to protect myself because at the end of the day, the only person who is going to look after me is me. And if I need to set boundaries for that, then so be it. We have become so dependent on social media as a society. And I mean, I'm speaking to the experience I've had here in Canada. I can't really speak for any other places, but I feel like we have just become so dependent on social media to be able to yell into the ether that we've completely forgotten, number one, how to disagree civilly. And number two, how to have an actual conversation with people. And nothing is going to be perfect. You're not going to like every single person that you meet. You're not going to agree with everything they say, but it doesn't mean that we virtually slap each other in the, in the face, mm -hmm. right? Like what, what do we gain by, by tearing up? What do we gain by, by putting that wedge in between us when, you know, isn't the whole point at the end of the day to like, help our communities to help each other to be a good neighbor to and that's where I just really struggled with a lot of what was happening with you know covering things in journalism and it's like well one person says this one person says that and it's like the paradox of that where I'm reporting on this and some days I'd go home and be like why didn't they all just like sit down for coffee and like right. snacks right <laughs> like why didn't they all just sit down and like have a meal together in the Philippines that's what we do yeah. It's food. It's we good. all have a long table. We all sit down. And you hash it out. And you hash it out. And 
everyone love you love you too or like thank you for your advice like so was the other thing i struggled with too with journalism it's just like we call one side we call another side and then we slap everything together and then boom people are reading it so i there has been a lot of time to reflect on that and i think social media has just fueled that because now anyone has access to an instagram account anyone can access twitter anyone can access facebook well and i don't have the exact stat but so don't quote me on this but i can't can't remember uh, the exact number but it was something like 60 or 70 percent of canadians now say that that's that basically social media twitter is where they get their news which is absolutely frightening oh god that's frightening and then the other um the other thing too that kind of um, is surprising to me is that we talk a lot about social media bringing people together it was the ultimate equalizer of all of us being able to be in this forum we could all get in and yet as you just said in many respects it's tearing us apart yeah. like, and it's separating us and I don't think we had thought about that when social media started and when Twitter and all these other platforms came out we thought it would be a great way of bringing us all together holy hands sing kumbaya uh, online <laughs> not a lot of kumbaya on Twitter I no so we're running rapidly out of time, and before I go into the Rhea rapid round... Oh, ooh, very nice alliteration there. Just that up. Oh! I, I like it, the Rhea rapid round. So I we love have a Rhea that. Rapid round. Before we do that, I did promise our listeners that we find out what you're doing now, because I'm keeping everybody in suspense. I'm kind of oh, pulling that marketing thing where I'm like... look at you burying the lead. The end, stay right till the end of the <laughs> podcast, because then you can find out where, what you're doing. So what are you doing now? So I am now doing... Uh, Ironically, I, I'm running what I call a new media and marketing uh, business. So it's called Renew Frights, and it's basically a, an extension or an evolution of what I ran for many years. I had a little blog where I would just write. Um, but what I am noticing is that I'm quite enjoying how people, uh, a lot of my clients are in the food world. So I'm very lucky to be able to be working for a chocolate shop. I'm working for an Italian restaurant. You can say the name. Oh, okay. So I'm working for Origins Chocolate Bar, which is fantastic company and Piva Modern Italian, which very much lines up with, with the giving back and, and also just the food is good. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are really hardworking local businesses that give back to the community and are all about community and that all very much lines up with what I'm inspired by and I'm curious about these worlds I don't have a lot of experience in the culinary world so I want to learn and this is how I'm learning I'm I'm helping them with some of their marketing and their social media and and learning about what they do and and learning to appreciate them even more than I already do um, and then I just have some freelance clients as well. So anybody who's looking for copywriting, stuff like that, that's what I've been doing. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of clients. So I made my announcement and it was just, uh, I hate using idioms like, like phone ringing off the hook. That's, it's just been, I've been the so phones lucky. don't ring anymore. They don't ring they and why are they on a hook? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it's just, the phone just yeah. went off and yeah. I've been so lucky and that's what I'm doing. And I'm, it's allowing me to meet people. And I'm also working, I'm also helping out the Chamber of Commerce here in New West, which there's a lot of good work being done there. And I want to help try to elevate that where I can. So anyone who's interested in learning about the Chamber... You know where to find me. Call Rhea. So, so what you're telling all these young journalists, and perhaps maybe not so young journalists, um, that there's life after journalism. Oh yes, there is life after journalism. I, I can't even be. The grass really. And there's that thing again with the the grass is greener on the other side. I feel like, but I'm in that place in my life where I can say that. Don't be afraid to pursue journalism, but just know what you're getting into. Is what I would recommend folks do.
That sound you just heard, that bell, that means we're in the Rhea rapid round. So we heard that little ding, ding, ding. That, that was the Rhea rapid round. Oh I, don't, I love that. I'm going to say that again over and over. So I'm going to ask you a series of very quick questions. Um, if you got to take a pass, I'll give you one pass. If you just like, I don't have an answer to that. Like, okay. You know what? Um, well, technically, you can say pass to everything because you're my guest. So you can. I'll do it. my best. You can say whatever. Okay. As they say, I can ask the question. You can decide what the answer is. Sure. So, uh, let's uh, let's start off with the Rio Rapid Round. So first off, what is your favorite travel destination city? Oh, my goodness. I recently just went to Los Angeles. So I'm going to pick that right now. Why? I went to go to Universal Studios. It was on my bucket list. <laughs> I love Universal Studios. Totally <laughs> addicted to that. Okay. Uh, one bit of advice you would give to somebody who's um, just starting out at BCIT Journalism. One tip or one bit of advice. Be extremely open-minded. Be open-minded. Awesome. Now, if you had, if you could change two things, two things, I'll give you two things, uh, be it at Parliament or the Legislature or City Hall, any two things that you could change in the House of Commons, the legislature, city. what would those gosh. two things be if you had a magic wand? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm going to pick C18 for one of them. Okay. I would love to modify that. I would just love it so that, you what know. What would you do with C18? I would want it to, well, first of all, I would hope to see that restriction lifted. And C18, for those who aren't familiar, it's a legislation that basically is why... Facebook and everyone else isn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you would modify C18. I would modify C18. And then I get a second one, you, you said? Get you get all the power. You get two things you can change. Introduce laws, bylaws, change procedures, anything at oh any government or parliament. Gosh. I would probably at the... Hmm. I have so many I want to pick. You only get two. <laughs> This is the real slow round right now because I'm just going through every. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, in this time and space, I would say significantly less red tape for housing, but I know that's at very le various levels of government. That's kind of cheating because it kind of went. Oh. That's okay. It's, <laughs> it's the rear wrapping round, and all levels of government do have some impact. Yeah. On so that's okay. We'll, okay. We'll accept. Uh, for the record, we'll take that. Sure. Uh, we'll take that answer. Okay. You have the. Uh, you have the option, uh, somebody said to you, that you can have dinner with either Prime Minister Trudeau, Premier David Eby, Mayor Patrick Johnstone, or another significant political leader in the world. Who would it be? If you, who, could you, who would you pick? Oh my God. Living or dead? Well, I'd say living because if you're going to eat with them, it'd be a little bit... But then I could just steal their plate if they're That's dead. That's true. You get two plates <laughs> for one. two plates for one. You might, you might go to Kiva and get two <laughs> and plates two of pasta <laughs> for the price of one. <laughs> um, well, I've met David Eby and he's way too tall for me. I just hurt my neck the entire time, so I'm going to pass. Okay, um, makes sense, yeah. And... I, I do respect the work that both Trudeau and Mayor Johnston have done, but I, I run into Mayor Johnstone like literally every day. Um, so I think I would love to pick, oh my gosh, who would I pick? I'm very curious to get to know Rakhna Singh. She has been doing some really intriguing work. Um, People who don't know who she is? She's an MLA okay. uh, in for, for BC. Yeah. And I've been fascinated by how, like, some of her approaches and some of the work she's been doing on, on some of the portfolios that she's been working on. So she's had some, um, a lot of it's, like, diverse, related to, like, diversity and, and whatnot. So I'm really curious to see what kind of challenges she's gone through. Um, mostly because I feel like that would be really challenging to, it's such a 
broad portfolio and there's so many directions you could go with it. So I would like, like to know how she's been approaching that. Great answer. Good answer. I think you get full marks on that. Here's the last question. We'll hear the bell one more time. There it was. The bell has rung. So this means it's the last rapid, rapid round question. Here it is. What is, in your opinion, the best, the best part about living in New Westminster? There is something I always tell people who are not familiar with New West. I always say to leave, when, when I walk from my place, I always say you leave 20 minutes. And the reason for that is because you will always see someone you know. And what I love about New West is that people make the effort to get to know you. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter like political stripes, who you are, whatever it is. Um, and I always joke that it's so funny that you have to leave the 20 minutes because usually it's not enough time. <laughs> we just get to such engaged conversations with people. And that's the one special thing I think about New West is, you know, it is a city. It's a corporation of the city of New West. Yeah. But I would argue it's a town. Mm-hmm. And I just love that even though it's 2023 and a lot of us are functioning in a very particular way for 2023, New West still functions like a small town. We're a little weird. We get really fascinated about, like, on certain, like, fixated on really random things. And I'm just going, what is happening? Like, if you go to, like, the Facebook pages and stuff, I'm sure people who are listening will know that. But at the end of the day, people are genuinely concerned for one another. And that's why I always leave 20 minutes to get to where I'm going. Because I will always run into somebody who has something to talk about. They want to check in on you. And it's just a great place to be. Rhea Renouf, what a great way to end uh, this uh, this podcast. And I 100% agree with you. It's a small town in a big city. And I uh, would dare say that if there was one thing that I had to talk about in terms of the city, I would, I would actually agree with you. I think <laughs> that we live in such a wonderful community and that uh, we are so close to everyone. In fact, I was just talking to somebody just recently and I was like, why are you late? They said, because I bumped into like three people that I knew. <laughs> So it's a typical New West thing yes. to do because you're you're if you're late, it's always because you you bumped into someone. So, Ria Renew, thank you so much for being my third guest on this uh, For the Record podcast, and it's been a pleasure to chat with you again. We have known each other a long time, but I have learned some things about you today, which was awesome, and I'm so pleased that you were able to to attend and to um, to open up a little bit about yourself and and who you are. And all the best and and best wishes on your new. Uh, venture and, and being an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I, it went by in a blur. It goes by really fast. It does. I'm Daniel Fontaine, and you've been listening to For the Record.